All right. So welcome in everyone. Appreciate y'all listening in to our fantasy football podcast for the NFL week one. You've heard XFL, you've heard USFL. Uh, this is the time of year we've all been waiting for. So really excited to get going and dive into the NFL slate for all of your betting and DFS needs. Uh, my name, I'm your uh, co-host here, Mark Hogan at DFS underscore Marlin. You can find all of my exclusive content over at fantasyguru.com. And go ahead, give me a follow on Twitter. Go ahead and check out all of my content. We've been winning, winning all year long. It's been a very profitable year, but now it is time for the main event with the NFL. Uh, I'm joined today uh, by my co-host, Eric Randall, who uh, I've done extensive uh, podcasts, uh, all kinds of analysis and fantasy leagues uh, in, with in the past. Uh, so excited to have Derek on here to talk through some of our over-unders. We're going to go into over-unders, uh, betting on some of the spreads, some of the latest NFL injury news, DFS plays, season-long recommendations, and more. So, Derek, welcome on the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm super excited to join you here and try to help you with these over-unders. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to um looking forward to our gambling segment here. Uh so uh to dive in here, um again, we'll talk about like to just recap the Thursday night uh football game first because football is officially back. So um it was an interesting game on Thursday. Obviously, no Travis Kelsey. Kadarius Tony fell flat on his face, probably one of the worst games from a player I've ever seen ever um especially on a in a primetime performance about sky Moore uh, was also just as disappointing so uh i wouldn't say i think it's an overreaction to say i'm necessarily worried about the chiefs they're going to spread it around i think there were some positives with their offense as well uh, including rasheed rice um i thought isaiah pacheco looks pretty good but um bigger takeaway was Got to believe in the Lions this year, right? So i um, curious what you thought about the Lions and just overall your thoughts on the Thursday night football game. Yeah, well, I would say I was pretty surprised with the result um, and really the performance of everybody. I thought the only players who looked good on that field were David Montgomery and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, everybody else looked a little rusty, which is to be expected. It's week one. Um, but coming into this, you know, we had a little bit of concern about the chiefs. They've, they've lost some players and then they're playing without Travis Kelsey. And then, you know, Juju's gone. So it's like, who's stepping up at wide receiver. And I think everybody thought that guy was going to be either Kadarius Tony or sky Moore. Personally, I thought Kadarius Tony and uh, like you, you referenced, that was a complete disaster. So props to the lions on capitalizing on a really, really poor game by the chiefs. And I wouldn't say I'm officially worried about the chiefs. Um, but I do think there's concerns, and I, I don't think they're taking this division. You don't think the Chiefs are taking this division? I do not. I do not. I think that's the Chargers and uh, my MVP pick, Justin Herbert. Yeah, I like Justin Herbert this year. I have some concerns about the Chargers' defense, but I would agree. I think, you know, 
Um, you can't win the Super Bowl every year, right? Or seemingly so. Uh, so it seems to like it just again, I don't want to overreact, but um, even going into this year, it just seemed like a little bit of a different vibe in Kansas City. I think the biggest storyline for me is Travis Kelsey going to be available on a consistent basis for the rest of the season because a lot of people, including myself, invested high draft capital in him. And clearly that offense on the field in real football is significantly impacted when he is not playing. So what are we going to get out of Travis Kelsey this year? If we can expect more of the same from the rest of his career, then I think the Chiefs are totally fine. I think if he's not available slash if he's not producing like he used to, uh, that could also um, be a huge impact. So what do you think about Jameer Gibbs, though? Because for me, I thought he looked pretty darn good. They just they're easing him into it. Uh, Dan Campbell was uh, quoted saying that, you know, that they didn't want to they wanted to give him a look at NFL action, but didn't want to really necessarily have him used on a heavily basis i i don't think david montgomery is going away by any means but personally i feel like gibbs will his workload will continue to increase especially because i thought he looked pretty good um on thursday if i'm being honest it, it kind of made me laugh at everybody who took jameer gibbs in the third round because i don't i just don't think he's going to return that draft capital um that it's clear they want to do the two-headed monster like they did last year jamal williams and DeAndre Swift. I think David Montgomery, like you just said, I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think he's got the goal line work. I do agree. Jameer Gibbs look very explosive, um, but he's not going to handle, you know, all the touches that I think people expected. And I do think he'll end up as an RB two, but I don't think he's even getting close to RB one status. Yeah, I would, I would tend to, well, Okay. I think there are going to be weeks where he'll produce as an RB1 naturally because he's there's going to be weeks where he has some blow-ups. Like, I, I think he's a good enough player. But I absolutely am in the same place as you where I expect DeAndre Swift production from previous years. That's not terrible. Um, but like you said... Where are we drafted Gibbs versus what we're likely going to see consistently on a week to week basis is probably not um, lined up with those expectations. So I'm right there with you. I wasn't necessarily, I don't think I have a whole lot of Gibbs. I don't think I have Gibbs actually anywhere in my season longs now that I'm thinking about it. I think just best balls. So um, I think he's going to be good. He's going to be a great DFS place for some weeks, but. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's returning or someone that you can fully rely on on a week-to-week basis uh, from a season-long perspective. Touching back on Kadarius Tony here. So my take on this was at, at the time, as somebody who gets heavily into betting, uh, that was pretty disappointing. I had a lot on on Tony. But what did you looking, bet on him? So I had his yardage total, which was set at 28 and a half. I had the over on that, and I had him to score a touchdown. Um, which he obviously didn't do, although he did get that little end around <laughs> that they tried to get for a touchdown there. Um, but I mean, what's frustrating from a betting perspective is you can look at it and say that bet failed, that bet failed. That was a terrible bet. But then you look 
at the actual performance and it was the right bet. You know, if he caught either of those drops, the, the notorious drops, he dropped three, but there were two that everybody knows about. Either one of those would have gone for 30 yards and the bet cashes. He received an end zone look and around whatever you want to call it that had the potential to cash. I mean, the, the target share for as much as he played, he was easy to spot on the field because those bright yellow gloves and he was barely on the field. But when he was, he was being looked at. Um, it's just one of those situations where it was the right play, but not, not the right results. So moving forward, I do have a lot of faith in him still. Um, Mahomes came out after the game and said he still trusts him, which, you know, that could be a little bit of what quarterbacks be make trying not to make his, his guy look bad. But then you look at Kadarius Tony compared to the guys around him. And it's no question who the best receiver is there. It's him. So if he can get out of his head a little bit, you know, hopefully this propels him forward and going back to Travis Kelsey. I don't think I have any doubts about him moving forward. The fact that he was questionable for this game was astonishing to me, which I think bodes well for his week two status. And I think it's going to be another massive year for Travis Kelsey because they really need him or else they're not going anywhere. Yeah. If we look at Kansas city wide receiver snap counts, we have Richie James with 23, Justin Watson with 19, Justin Ross with six, MVS with 41, Kadarius Toney with 16, Sky Moore with 45, Rasheed Rice with 20. So personally, snap counts are a big indicator for me. Um, And his 16 snap counts definitely concern me a little bit here. Like, I just think he is going to be... He's going to have his weeks like there's as long as he stays healthy, which that's like a huge asterisk with him. Um, I think you will see weeks where he has some blow ups. But I, if that snap volume stays the same. I would have my concerns. It, he he's he's virtually on the field just as much as Justin Watson was. Um, I think that MVS and Sky Moore will continue to see that. Same snap volume. So, you know, if I'm looking for a bounce back from anyone, I think Sky Moore could see a nice bounce back. And I think we'll see some, you know, a higher floor. I think MVS actually presents a relatively high floor being um, kind of that seasoned vet amongst that group here. So I kind of like the idea of MVS and I like the idea of a sky more bounce back here in the future and a little bit of a chill out on Rasheed Rice, given his snap count. Right. And I see what you mean with snap count. And obviously we want that to go up for Tony, you know, for it to be Tony time. He needs to have a lot more uh, snap counts than what he drew this time. However, he only ran 11 pass routes and was targeted on five of those. I mean that, that target rate, if it continues and he stops dropping the ball, I mean, the numbers are going to go with it and you've got to expect that the snap count's going to increase as well. I just, I see where you're coming from with this and this will be something to look into uh week two. Yeah. I just, when I play guys, I want to like see them physically on the field. I don't know how you feel about that, but like there's nothing more frustrating than like having a guy in your lineup or having some money on a guy and you're watching the game and he's just standing there on the sidelines next to the coach. And they're showing this the shot of the coach calling plays off of his card. 
and your guy is standing there right behind him with a water bottle. So that <laughs> I, I try to avoid that experience because uh, I've had that experience before, obviously. Um, so I try to avoid that as much as possible. I want to see them on the field, regardless of whether they're getting the ball or not. Um, I'll rely on the matchup and for the coach to draw one up based off the man- matchup there. I agree with that. It's anxiety inducing to see your guy sitting yeah. on the sideline the whole time. And you're like, I, I need you to reach my 30 yards, buddy. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right. So enough with Thursday night football, because I'm sure anyone that's listening to this has probably heard all kinds of Thursday night football recaps in 20 different places as well. Um, let's dive into the NFL injury report. So I do want to go into uh, who we know is uh, out and questionable so i'm going to dive uh, right into the teams on the slate here our first game is the carolina panthers against the falcons we have dj shark he's been officially record to the cloud okay well hopefully i can connect those two recordings and uh, we don't lose that but i'm going to dive right back into the injury report i'll just start from the top so Carolina Panthers, I have DJ Chark. He is listed as out. We have Adam Thielen. He is listed as questionable. I think that's a true questionable. I'd be surprised if he plays. The Falcons, we have cornerback Jeff Akuda. He is out. And wide receivers Kadero Hodge and Cordell Patterson are listed as questionable. I think Patterson, want to say he's expected to play. I'm not so sure about Kadero Hodge, but I don't know if that's going to matter much from a fantasy perspective. Uh, the Texans, Blake Cashman, John Mechie, and Jimmy Ward are all out. So John Mechie, we have to wait yet again. Um, he is out due to a hamstring. We have Dari Ogubawale. I can't ever say this name right. He is questionable. The Ravens have cornerback Marlon Humphrey. He is listed as out. And Mark Andrews is listed as questionable. I want to say the most recent thing I saw on him was that we should be good to go so it sounds like there are some expectations that he should be playing Bengals. uh we have defensive end joseph asai he is out browns we don't really have anyone we have safety one thornhill he is listed as questionable he is a good player so if for some reason one thornhill is out um that's a little bit of a downgrade to the Browns secondary Got the Jaguars, safety Antonio Johnson, defensive line Tyler Lacey. They are both out. Running back Zach Moss, he could be back. He is listed as questionable. I think that running back room is just a room to avoid, in my opinion. We've got the Buccaneers, uh, Kalijah Kansi, uh, guard Cody Mock. He is, they're both listed as questionable. And Marcus Davenport for the Vikings, he is questionable. Um, uh, Titans, we have Trey Avery. He is listed as out, cornerback. And the Saints, we have Traquan Smith. He is listed as out. Uh, Running back Kendra Miller is questionable with the hamstring. So Jamal Williams uh, might have that backfield all to himself, although it's not a great matchup against the Titans. Um, 49ers, George Kittle is a true questionable. It sounds like there's a good chance he could be out, but we really have to look, watch closely on that one. The Cardinals offensive lineman, Calvin Beecham, he is listed as out. Wide receiver Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz are both listed as questionable. I think they're going to, I think at least Brown is going to be good to go. I don't think I'm using Ertz anywhere, even if he is in. 
Um, we got Christian Watson. He is listed as out for the, the Green Bay Packers. Wide receiver Romeo Dobbs. He is also questionable, both with hamstring injuries. And Christian Watson is frustrating. Like, he's a good player, but um, this is an injury-prone player. I think uh, I, I want to say we should expect Romeo Dobbs to play. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that. And I think if Dobbs does play, uh, he's somebody we're going to be hitting on in our betting segment. Good. Perfect. Uh, Raiders, cornerback, Brandon. I don't know how to say this guy's last name. Brandon Fassion and Chandler Jones. They're both listed as outs. Uh, Chandler Jones is like got something crazy going on. They were like saying the Raiders were like, he's not allowed in the facility. I don't, so I think he's kind of like gone off the deep end as of recent. He, he has some issues with ownership and I guess he was expecting somebody specifically in ownership to be let go before the season started and it never happened. So now they're, they're in kind of their own Jonathan Taylor, Jim or situation. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> what, what's going on guys? Like, come on, iron it out and everybody do your job. Got a lot of bad feelings about the Raiders this year. I do as feel well. good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Does not feel good. Uh, Dolphins offensive tackle Teron Armstead. He is out. The deep defensive back Elijah Campbell. He is out. Uh, Justin Bethel cornerback. He is listed as questionable. The Chargers. We have Dayon Henley. He is doubtful. Linebacker. <clears throat> Outside linebacker Chris Rumpf is also doubtful. Eagles are a clean bill. Literally no injuries on the injury report. Naturally. Uh, yep. So not a good sign for the Patriots. Uh, cornerback Jack Jones for the Patriots. He is listed as out. Um, am I reading this right? Matt Corral? I didn't even, I've never, I didn't ever even caught this. He got traded to the Patriots. Um, so he is questionable, not injury related. Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. So this is a situation to monitor. He was out of, on practice on Friday. Uh, he is showing up on the injury report as questionable due to illness. So we have to monitor that situation. Uh, what I saw on that is it was just a stomach bug. They expect him back. So he, he should be on the, uh, the right side of questionable. Just keep close. Close eye on that just in case. Wide receiver Devontae Parker, he is questionable as well. We've got a couple offensive linemen who are also questionable in Mike Owenu and Cole Strange. Uh, the Rams, cornerback Stetson Bennett, he is out. Not that that matters, but wide receiver Cooper Cup obviously is out. And the Seahawks have Jamal Adams and Kenny McIntosh. They are both listed as out. So that backfield will see a combination of Walker and Charbonnet. Cowboys, uh, doubtful offensive line lineman Tyler Smith and safety Donovan Wilson. Donovan Wilson, that would be a big one. And, of course, questionable already, offensive tackle Tyrone Smith and defensive end Sam Williams. So, uh, man, how, how long are the Cowboys going to just rely their season fully on Tyrone Smith? Because the second he is out, uh, they cannot protect the quarterback. The Giants, we have wide receiver Wandale Robinson. He is listed as doubtful. Is it Wandale or Wandale? I feel like I've heard people say both. Wandale. 
Okay. That's what I thought too. But then I've I've heard like legit credible people on the radio say one dolly. You know, the truth of the matter is probably nobody knows without talking to him. So we're all wrong in some in some capacity here. Excellent point. Yep. Uh Darren Waller listen is questionable for the Giants. That's something to keep an eye on, although I saw footage of him on Friday practicing and he seemed fine, so that might just be a designation. Um, and that's all I got here. Well, for week I one, like I'd say that was a hefty run. Yeah, that is actually a significant amount of injuries uh, for week one. So now we are going to go into the games, and we're going to talk about spreads over-unders. And we'll talk about how what our picks are and how it correlates a little bit with our strategy amongst a number of different gambling perspectives. So let me get the sports book pulled up and we'll dive right into we'll start with the one o'clock games here and work throughout the day. So Houston Texans against the Baltimore Ravens is our first game at one o'clock. We've got a spread of nine and a half points favoring the Ravens and an over-under of 43 and a half. Uh Ravens are a minus 455 money line uh bet. So are we taking the spread on the Ravens? We are not. Um this is interesting because I think two days ago when I looked at this one, it was ten and a half. So there's money coming in on the Texans here. And I agree with that money. It's we're early in the season. And for this to be such a heavy spread for a Ravens team that really there's a lot of question marks about what kind of offense they're going to run. Um, and then the Texans who it seems like they're, they're being let, let me be real here. I don't think they're going to win this game, but I think nine and a half is too many points. Um, so I'd be going with the Texans with the plus nine and a half here. What's yeah, your take? I, I like Texans plus nine and a half too, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I just think this is going to be a close game. I'm not necessarily saying the Texans are going to win. I know that's a little non-committal, but um, they were the worst run defense last year. I don't think they've done enough to improve their run defense over the course of the off season. So I actually really like J.K. Dobbins as a DFS play this week. I think he's going to be kind of looked over a bit. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a complete shootout. I think both teams are going to obviously try to establish the run, despite the Ravens even changing their offense. So uh, give me J.K. Dobbins. Uh, give me the under. And uh, give me the uh, Texans plus nine and a half here. I just think that if if the game's going to go, is going to hit the under then there's a good shot that the Texans cover that big of a spread. Absolutely. And you just hit on one of my favorite ways to do same game parlays is you, you build a narrative, which we'll touch on this a little bit when we do player props, but I like to build a narrative, you know, this game is going to be run first. So it's going to be lower scoring, which would then give the indication that the underdog will stay within, you know, a shot of the team that we actually think would win this game here. So if you can find a same game parlay to get the Texans up to, I don't even know, like 11, you might not even need that many and then change that over under to like 47. That's a pretty confident bet uh, in my book. 
So we're both going with Houston plus nine and a half, and we're both going with the under. Does that sound does that, sound that is good? correct? Okay. Uh, okay. So now we're looking at the Bucks and the Vikings. We've got a spread of 46, uh, 46 point total and a spread of uh, with the Vikings as favorites minus five and a half. Um, this is a little bit closer here. The Vikings money line is only minus 230. So the Vikings are the clear favorites, but could we see the Buccaneers be more competitive than people expect? I personally do not believe it. I'm a Vikings fan. I don't believe in their secondary. Uh, and I think people just like think that the Bucks are going to have no passing game production whatsoever. And I think that's a wrong this is a wrong game to overlook production in the passing game, especially from the Buccaneers. So um, I really like Chris Godwin. Um, I don't mind Mike Evans, I guess, but I think Chris Godwin is the play here. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take the over in this game. And I am going to also take the bucks plus five and a half. I, uh, I agree with you on the over here. I think these are two very bad secondaries with uh, the Vikings specifically. I think they're going to lean into the pass a lot this year. I know they kind of did that last year, but what they've got going on in the running back room is, is very confusing to me. Uh, I'm not really sure why they're only rolling out Alexander Madison or if that's actually their game plan, but I think we're going to see a lot of Justin Jefferson again and a little bit of KJ Osborne sprinkled in there. I, however, would not touch the spread on this one. I do think the Vikings are going to win. Um, I don't trust Baker Mayfield, no matter who his weapons are. But I wouldn't touch the five and a half points. Uh, gun to your head. Uh, would you take the five and a half? Or would you take <laughs> the money line? I would take the money line. Uh, Minnesota Vikings money line. Okay. Uh, 49ers and Steelers. 41 and a half point total. And the 49ers are minus two and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, this is a minus 130 money line for the Niners here. I think the Steelers are going to be competitive. So um, I do think this is going to be a defensive game. I this this the, I think this over under and the spread are both spot on. So this is probably one of the toughest bets I think of the week. I agree about that over under because I really want to go with the under, but forty one and a half is pretty low. I do, however, like the plus two and a half with Pittsburgh. I think they win this one outright. So why do you think that? Because I, if this was a week ago before the Bosa uh, re-signing, then I would have tended to agree. Um, I think that also is a good point to bring up is that he just came back in this week. So is he going to be game ready? Is he going to see the snaps that he would normally see? I'd probably think not. Do you think that goes into your decision-making on the Steelers plus two and a half? Does. I think we'll see limited snaps with Bosa, and I don't think the secondary for the 49ers is good at all. So if Kenny Pickett can get enough time for that secondary to collapse out there, which it will, um, then I think we could see a lot of big plays from this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I don't expect them to be able to run the ball very well with Najee, um, but I expect a lot of Deontay Johnson here and a lot of uh, George Pickens. 
and I, I also believe a lot in this Pittsburgh Steelers defense with TJ Watt out there. Um, I have a feeling that he could really get to Purdy a couple of times. And one of my favorite bets of this week is Brock Purdy over a half an interception. I like that too. I like that too. I think, uh, I'm right there with you. Um, I don't love, like I would totally be good passing this game up on taking the spread here, but I'll take the Steelers plus two and a half just to put it on record. And I think this game is actually, I think it's going to hit the over because we're going to see some sort of defensive scoring. So I think that's what actually sends us over is at some point along the way, one of these defenses gets like a pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown or something like that. I I think we could see a situation where the Steelers get up 14 very early. And then we see the 49ers having to throw the ball a lot and those miscues coming in the interception. I really do think like you just said, I think we see a pick six in this game. Um, And you've got me leaning to the over, but, as we both stated, we're, we're not going to touch that, that bet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is a, a true toss up here. So just be careful if you're out there listening and actually planning on placing some money. Uh, we'll go ahead and switch over to the Jaguars and the Colts. Uh, we're looking at a 46 point total. The Colts are plus four and a half uh, underdogs and the Jaguars are a minus 230 money line. Um, I feel confident going with the Jags here at minus four and a half against Anthony Anthony Richardson in his first game. Uh, Colts have all kinds of shit shows and uh, excuse my language, but um, uh, fires that they need to put out here. So just not feeling the vibes over there. Um, I will also uh, I'll take that over on the on the the total as well. I am 100 percent with you on Jacksonville minus four and a half. This Colts team, this offense is going to be a shell of what we're we've seen in the past. You know, the good the good old Andrew Luck days are uh, way way in the past, and without Jonathan Taylor, as a Colts fan, I question how they're going to score. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in Anthony Richardson early in the season. We always see those rookie pains, um, so I think it could be Week Ten before we actually see him start performing to the level that can actually bring an offense to, to victory. Um, and if he can't get the ball to Michael Pittman, which I have a lot of questions about this offense is in real trouble. So for that reason, I would go with the under because I just don't see the Colts putting up more than really more than 10 points. See, I just, I don't, I think that the the way I look at it, the Jags are going to go up um, pretty quickly. I think that the Colts secondary isn't going to be able to keep up, and I don't think the Jags in re- their secondary as well. I'm not uh, a true fan of, but their pass rush I think is going to be an issue. Um, but I, I, think, I think the Jags are going to put up enough points where the Colts could get some garbage time, and that's where I think I see this game hitting the over. I could see Trevor Lawrence as our QB one for Week One. I think we're looking at 300 yards and three touchdowns. So I got myself on the over, you on the under, and we're both going with Jags minus four and a half. Absolutely. Bengals and Browns. Bengals are minus two point favorites on the road in Cleveland. 47 and a half point total. Um, I got the under on this game. 
Joe Burrow struggles against Cleveland historically. Uh, I do think that I think that Cleveland um, has an improved secondary, uh, maybe not so much improvement on the ground. And with Burrow missing some time, I could see them relying heavily on the ground game. So uh, I'm going to take the under on the point total. Uh, and I'm going to take, I, I think there's, I've got some good vibes on Cleveland here. So I'm going to take Cleveland plus two. I think I would lean Cincinnati minus two here. Um, we know what to expect with the Bengals. They're pretty much the same team that they were last year. Um, I don't think they've really lost anybody impactful. And the Browns, we we didn't see a whole lot of positives from Deshaun Watson last year. He he did get better as the year went on, and he got more accustomed to his team. But I just don't think the Browns are on the same level as Cincinnati quite yet. So for that reason, I would go with the Bengals. Um, and I think I would lean the under here. I think Cleveland likes to run the ball enough to where that clock starts running out pretty quickly. And historically, week one, um, we're, we're looking at lower totals. We tend to at least. And with 47 and a half, I feel like that's a pretty high total for one team that likes to run the ball um, quite a bit. So for that, I would go with the under. It is one, important to note that Cleveland has stated they want to uh, evolve their offense into a little bit more of a passing offense, but I just don't see it. Uh, week one in this matchup, I think that Cleveland, you know, I agree. I think that Cleveland does their game plan is to keep the ball, the, the Cincinnati offense off the field. Um, yeah, all right. That, that may be what they want to do. They might want to evolve to a, a more balanced team, but, like you just said, week one, I think we see what they're comfortable with, which is running the ball. Um, we can look to them passing more as we get to like week four, week five, I think is where we really start to see that take effect if they truly mean that. But I don't think we're going to see that in week one. Yeah, look out for Cedric Tillman, second half of the season. He looked good in preseason. So Best ball hero. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, Washington Commanders. Um I think the Cardinals are the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL. Um, they have been now for a couple of years. So Washington Commanders at home minus seven point favorites over under is 38 points. I'm going to take the over on this point total. Uh, so I like that. Um, and this point spread, I'll go. I'll go minus seven as well. I think that the Commanders win decisively in this game. I got Brian Robinson running all over the Cardinals. Um, and Sam Howell, I think, you know, I'm not like on this hu huge hype train that some people are with Sam Howell, but I do believe that he is going to have a, a solid season. And I think he's here to, to stay for a while, at least. We touch on player props later. We're going to come back to this one for, for a hot minute because Sam Howell is getting totally disrespected. His line was like two, two. 210 passing yards <laughs> against yeah. Arizona, um, which is absurd. This is my favorite survivor pick is Washington commanders. Um, so I'm with you on the minus seven. I lean to the under because their defense is so good. And I think they're just going to run the clock out. I don't really think they're going to try to run up the score like crazy and, and start airing it out. Um, I do think that Sam Howell goes over 210 passing yards. Cause that's not much. Um, but I, I don't really see Arizona being able to score against this Washington defense. So for that, 
I'm I'm going with the under here. If you had to, because there has to be someone that produces on the Arizona side of things, right? It's James Conner. You think that Washington? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So you think that Washington could potentially, I guess, give up some yards on the ground? Or why? Where? How do you think James Conner gets there? As far as yeah, so so this is tough because I I wouldn't want to be betting James Conner against the Washington Rundy. Um, and I looked at his line earlier and I think it's sitting at 60 rush yards. And I think the way we see James Conner succeed this week is through the pass. Um, but not a lot of yards. I, I could see James Conner five catches for like 18 yards. <laughs> and, you know, that's, if you're playing a PPR, that'll play. Um, but I don't, I don't see him going more than 40 yard rushing. I just think he's going to have a lot of trouble getting any room here. It's too expensive for me on, on DraftKings. And I'm looking up Marquise Brown right now because if he is active, which I think he will be, Marquise Brown is 5200 bucks. That could definitely pay off from a DraftKings perspective. So just Absolutely. keep an eye on that because um, that's kind of cheap for a guy that, you know, we could be seeing double-digit targets with here in a garbage time uh, uh, situation. Uh, okay, so I think we both agree on Washington. We differ on, or we differ on the over-under. Titans and the Saints, we've got a 42-point spread, and we've got the Saints – at minus three, I've got I've got issues with the Saints. Uh, I think that Tennessee has been a much cleaner off season and camp. Um, I think both of these teams rely on the run more than people think. Um, but we have the wild card and Michael Thomas. I do think that like Michael Thomas produces this week. Um, so I like Michael Thomas as a DFS play, uh, but I like the Titans to win this game. So I will take the Titans plus three, and I'm going to take the under on that 42-point spread or total. This has been the hardest game of the week for me to judge. I I really could see this going a number of ways. I do think the Tennessee Titans are being overlooked, though. The more I think about this team, nobody's really considering them a threat. But when you think of the fact that Derrick Henry's there, and, and yes, the wheels could fall off at any time. Um, he's one of the oldest running backs in the league that's, you know, a workhorse at this point. And, but then you think about the fact that they added DeAndre Hopkins. And this could open up their offense a lot more than what we've seen in the past. Do I believe in the coaching system to actually go with a more balanced approach? Not necessarily but I do think that this makes them a lot more dynamic. It opens up the box um, for Henry to not just see a bunch of stacked boxes against him. So for that, I would, I would take the plus three with the Titans. Um, and I, I do think we see an under here. I do think these defensive lines are great for both teams. Um, and I do think both of them will rely on the run. So for that matter, I do think they're going to go under the 42. 
The concern I have for the Titans is that you have got to imagine the Saints game plan is to come out and just take a shot early. So secondary being so poor. Yeah. 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 And and given the fact that the Titans are built uh, around the run, like put them out of their element, get ahead early um, and then establish the run yourself if you can, or at least trying to work on, wearing down that defensive line. So uh, it is, it's a tough one. Uh, if you can avoid betting this game, I probably would. Uh, but for the purposes of what we're doing here, I'll go with the Titans. And uh, um, I, 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 man, this total, I'll, I'll go with the under still for sure. And I would, for all of you picking player props out there, I would avoid DeAndre Hopkins here. His line was set at 58 and a half. We just don't know what they're going to do here. Um, so so I would avoid him for now, but we could see we could see a situation where DeAndre Hopkins puts up 30 yards. I what what about you? Do you see that as a possibility with him? Um, I think it'll be more than like 30, but like I it's just gonna be inconsistent throughout the season. So I agree that like we might see some big games from him, but there's also gonna be some underwhelming four for 45, five for 50 type games. Um, so I, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like betting on a guy in the, in an offense where the offense is based off of the other thing. So in this situation, I don't like betting a, on a receiver when the offense is built around the run. Absolutely. I don't like betting on rushing yards for a running back when the offense is built around the pass. Um, so it's just not really kind of my wheelhouse there so it, it's gonna be tough i don't think i'm gonna take many player props but if i had to take one i like i like all lines and odds on michael thomas carolina panthers atlanta falcons this is our last one o'clock game 39 and a half point total we've got a minus three and a half point falcons favorite minus 192 money line I'm excited to see Bijan Robinson. I'm sure everyone out there is excited to see Bijan Robinson. I think he's going to have a great game. Uh, preseason looks really bad for Bryce Young. Uh, their receivers, their receiver situation, uh, in reference to the injury report from earlier, does not look good. Uh, so we could be looking at a Hayden Hurst game from a receiving uh, perspective. So. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Falcons minus three and a half point favorites, and I am going to also take the under on that thirty nine and a half point total. Yes, and yes, <laughs> I I see the Falcons running away with this one pretty easily, and I, you know, I put in a few bets myself for Bijan Robinson, Offensive Player of the Year. It, I think we could see a historical rookie running back season from him. He's on, he's in the perfect situation, a phenomenal offensive line, a team that wants to run first and the talent that we already know he possesses. I mean, there, the sky is the ceiling for him and he's, he's the guy that I missed out on the most in, in drafts. I didn't get him in a single draft. Um, really you, not a single one because, um, four season long leagues, two of them, I picked out of the one hole. Um, or that's not true. One of them I picked out of one hole, but the other one, I didn't have a first round pick. Cause I kept Jefferson. Um, and then I picked five and another one and he was already gone. 
and then the auction, which you and I know about the system crashed on me. It told me I had Bijan and I was like cheering ecstatic. And I go to look at my team with Bijan on it and he's not there. And I'm, I'm like, where, where's Bijan? And then it shows somebody else got him. And I was just baffled, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Bijan big believer in him. I think he could be the number one overall running back this year in fantasy. And Yes, I, I don't think there's any question the Falcons win this game. And I would take the under as well. Yeah, it's amazing with these apps that we're still having these kinds of issues in 2023 um, with all of the different products out there. But, um, oh, I don't think I got your – did I get your pick for – I don't think I got your pick for uh, the Titans Saints. Did you say the Titans? And, Correct. And you Titans said under? the under. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right, so we're both on that. Uh, okay, so four o'clock games: Eagles, Patriots, forty-five point total. Eagles are minus four point favorites. God, this feels like I—I I mean, I think everyone and their mother is going to take the Eagles and probably the under on this game. Is this a trap? Like, am I missing something here? Why are they only four point favorites? That's what I'm saying. It just there's something about this that I would think I would think the spread would be larger which makes me really think there's like, this is some sort of trap game. Like I, I'm get, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think here, here's my take on this. The Patriots historically don't show up at the beginning of the year. Like they kind of just throw their team out there and they figure out where their weaknesses are. And by the mid mid to end of season, they, you know, kind of improve over the course of the season. That's kind of just how Bill Belichick treats this, and he doesn't like react too much to one game, especially early on. So I'm gonna take the Eagles minus four. Um, the total is much tougher to figure out, um, but I will also take the over on 45 points, thinking that the Eagles are just gonna. Um, I think the Eagles can uh, give this Patriots secondary a lot of issues with you on the Eagles minus four. Um, I think this is one where we could be really mad on Sunday. <laughs> we take the minus four and the Eagles win by three. Um, but I think I would take the under here. This Eagles defense has improved their offense. I, I honestly think their offense is even better than last year with adding DeAndre Swift to the mix. Um, and it, the, the way I see this game going is, is them running away with it. And then we see a ton of Rashad Penny whereas the Patriots just three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, so I think we see an under here. Yeah, I would um, probably going to truly avoid that total, um, but I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with the Eagles minus four. I agree, though. We could all be kind of sitting there. That could knock a lot of people out in their survivor pools, but I think I think a lot of people are aware of this looking like a trap game and and including the Eagles. So uh, I'm going to just bet on what I see on the field. And I saw a better Eagles defense in the preseason. I saw a team that just came out of the Super Bowl. I don't see any issues in the offseason. Um, I think there's a lot more issues on the Patriots side of things. So um, I have to just trust what I know and what I what my eyes have seen. So uh Dolphins Chargers. I think this is the game of the week. Absolutely. So got a 51 point total. 
I this think should we be can Sunday be going night football. Over. It should be. It, yeah. This is a disgrace um, to put <laughs> to put the Raiders Broncos or Raiders Broncos uh, Giants Cowboys at Sunday Night Football and not this game is is just a disgrace. The Cowboys aren't America's team anymore. I'm tired of hearing it. But uh, sorry, I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that that should be a good game too. Um, but this is clearly the game of the week. Um, probably not going to flex it just because the Chargers don't have as much of a following as the Cowboys and the Giants do. So, and, and the Dolphins for that matter. So, um, I've got the over. Uh, as far as the spread goes, I'll take the. I I personally think the Dolphins are going to come out surprising some people. So I'm going to take the Dolphins plus three. Um, I think that Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are going to be too much to handle for this Chargers secondary. And uh, I do think that the Dolphins will be able to run the ball a little bit here. So um, have a weird feeling about the Chargers. I feel like they haven't gotten a lot of time together with these starters. Um, but uh, it's also Herbert and company with a, a number of seasoned vets. So these guys can easily come out and produce um, week one. So uh, it, it's a toss up, but I'll take the Dolphins. This is a game that I would want to avoid, and I will avoid. Um, you know, like you said before, gun to the head, I got to make a pick here. I would take the Dolphins plus three just because you're getting the points there. Um, I truly think this is a toss-up, so for that reason, I would take them. As far as the over-under is concerned, great offenses, great defenses, both teams. So it's really hard to pick, and I think I would I think I would go under 51. That's a high total for week one. Um, hopefully, we see you know, a, a little bit of a more stagnant offense from both of these to start. So we reach that under, but uh, I, I have zero confidence in it. Yeah, this is a game to avoid from a betting perspective, but to uh, attack from a DFS perspective. This could be a uh, AFC championship preview right here. It could be, um, because I think that they find a way to keep Tua healthy throughout the season and when to before Tua had all the concussion stuff like he was looking like a top quarterback last year so um, and people are and, forgetting and, that very early yeah and and mainly because of what he's surrounded by not necessarily him as a player himself but just because of the situation that he's in Rams and Seahawks I think there are so many issues with the Rams. I don't even know where to begin. I don't think that Rams secondary is good. I think the Seahawks defense has gotten a lot better over the offseason. So I'm going to take Seahawks minus five. Um, I think that they get it done through the air. So I like DK Mac- Metcalf this week. Uh, and I also think that, um, but I, I don't think this is a crazy uh, game from a points perspective. So I'll take the under on forty six the 46 point total. And I'll take the Seahawks at minus five. Disgusting game. Um, yeah, I, I would take the under 100% on the under. Uh, this is probably one of the most confident unders I would have on the week. As far as the spread, I would take the Seahawks minus the five. Like you said, this Rams team, it, it it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in a lot of trouble figuring out a way to score without Cooper Cup. And all these reports about Stafford not gelling with the young receivers, uh, it, it just they really do seem like a true one and done team, meaning they won that Super Bowl, and then they're just going to collapse slowly and slower. Yeah, every every year, it's going to become a worse team, and until they blow the whole thing up. 
So I do think we see an under, and I think the Seahawks minus five. Yeah, we'll talk about more DFS plays, but from a DFS perspective, Van Jefferson is 4700 bucks for the wide receiver one in this offense. So that's a little interesting. Uh, in 2-2 Atwell, he is min salary at 3000 So Is Puka Nakua uh, min salary as well? Yeah, he should be min salary too, but I'm not as into him personally. Um, Need to see it. Need to see a yeah. few weeks of him. I need to see a few weeks of all of them, except for Van Jefferson. Like I think Van Jefferson is the guy I would take a shot on from a DFS perspective. I would take um, Tyler Higby, I think, of the group. I'd feel more confident with him. I don't disagree with Van Jefferson at that price point, but Higby, I feel like, is the one who gets the most targets. Yeah, I like the I like the call on Higby. I think that's definitely a, a valid play. Um, he is also he's kind of expensive though for a tight end on. I, I play primarily DraftKings. He's kind of expensive for a tight end on DraftKings though. That's the only problem with him from a DFS perspective. Forty eight hundred bucks. Okay. Um. All right, Packers Bears. So I personally think that the Bears looked really good. I'm believing the Bears hype, even as a Vikings fan. Uh, so, and I, I think this Packers defense, I, I think you just have to avoid Joe Alexander. Um, but I don't think the rest of this Packers defense is as good as people think anymore. So I'm going to take over on the 41 and a half point total, and I'm going to take minus one and a half points for the Bears. This was a healthy Packers team. I could see myself taking the Packers, but it's not. They're missing Watson. Dobbs is questionable. I do think Dobbs plays, but if if everybody's healthy, I think we got a toss up. But I, for that reason, I'm taking the Bears minus one and a half. And I do think we see an over. This is way too low of a total. And towards the end of last year, when Fields was cooking, we really saw how fast this offense can score. Um, so yes, over forty one and a half. Cool. So I think we both agree. And I absolutely agree with the point on the it's like Jordan Love. He's got one arm tied behind his back here. Uh, and so that's not a great start for a guy who is looking to uh, start his first full season. Um, but I do think that the Packers running game does. I think I, I think the Packers can run the ball against the Bears if you're going to attack that Bears defense in one way. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I do, I, I'm, I think the one and a half points is a fair, fair spread there. And I like the positive vibes out of the Bears camp. So Raiders and Broncos, we got the Broncos minus three and a half point favorites, 43 and a half point total. I'm going to go with the Broncos minus three and a half under 43 and a half. I think the Broncos look to establish the run. I don't know how I feel about this passing game. It is a positive sign that Jerry Judy is going to be back. Um, Raiders, oh man, Devontae Adams is always in play. Um, but, uh, and Josh Jacobs, I mean, I mean, this is just, uh, it's a game I'm avoiding, probably from a DFS perspective. Although Javante Williams is a pretty cheap price point. Yep. I just think that the Broncos, still look to run the ball more than people uh, will expect even the, in this Sean Payton offense and play time of possession. 
Um, so I'm going Broncos minus three and a half point favorites, and I'm taking the under on 43 and a half. I'm all in on the Broncos, um, not only from this game, but from a season perspective. Nothing people want to look at what happened last year and judge them for that, but I don't think that's fair to do this year. So much has changed on this team that it's really not the same team. Yes, the same players are there for the most part, but the coaching's different, the scheme's different. Everything has really changed for this team. And if you watch Hard Knocks at all, Nathaniel Hackett, that dude's an idiot. <laughs> like You watch it on him and everything that comes out of his mouth is so cringeworthy. Like, it just makes you look at him and be like, how was this guy an NFL coach? Like, uh, whatever. <laughs> I could get into it about Hackett the whole time. And I thought it was funny, the episode where they talked about uh, Sean Payton's comments about Hackett you know, basically being terrible. And it was like, Hackett, like you, you could almost see a tear in his eye. And it's like, and then Rogers is like trying to put down Sean Payton about it. And it's like, look, he just said what we're all thinking that Hackett was a joke and he was. And so putting that in the rear view now, I think this Broncos team is ascending. I think the Raiders are descending. Um, and, and I think three and a half is way too low, low of a spread here. As far as the over-under, I, I definitely would not touch that um, from an actual betting perspective. However, I do think we see an over. I think this Raiders defense is pretty bad, and I think Denver wants to show that their offense is legit now. I think they're going to try to make a statement here. Um, I think we see Russ pass quite a bit, and I think we see Javante catching a lot of balls out of the backfield. Yeah, I think I like the Javante call on catching a lot of balls out of the backfield, and he's a pretty inexpensive price point from a DK's perspective. Um, Cortland Sutton could be an interesting play as well. Um, but I just... Uh, I want to see it first with Sutton. Yeah, I mean, I want to see it first with the whole Broncos passing game as well. I'm I'm not as confident in Denver as you are just because... I don't know. Sean Payton, I'm just getting like a little bit of Urban Meyer vibes off of for some reason. God, know please don't say that. <laughs> putting those two in the same conversation is is kind of crazy in and of itself. It's disrespectful. Sean Payton knows what he's doing, but it just seems like it's been a little bit of a circus from out the gate. So, um, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm probably – I'm avoiding this game completely. I'm not even that interested in watching this game. Um, I do I do have a bet on the, the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. I'm not like overly confident in it, but if you look at the makeup of this team and all the players on it, not only on the offense, but the defense, it, it's just hard to believe how they couldn't succeed. So if all the pieces click, this is this is a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. It's a good shot call. It's a good shot call. I, I personally don't see it, but um I just I have a hard time thinking that something like that would happen in year one with a new coach and a new system. That's my issue with it. My my thing is he's he's a veteran coach. You know he he's taken the Saints places <laughs> like every year they're competitive, and this team it's not like it's a bunch of rookies. It's it's a lot of veterans on this team. A lot of guys who have experience. So I don't know, and and they they all have a bad taste in their mouth from the way Hackett you know, ran things last year. So I just have a lot of high expectations for them, but we'll see. Yeah, that this this one's going to be an interesting one to follow here. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Cowboys and the Giants. I don't 
not thrilled about this game, but <laughs> not a terrible game either. 45 and a half point total. Cowboys minus three and a half point uh, favorites. Um, I've got the Giants at home. I'll take Giants plus three and a half. Um, but I do think this will be close. Uh, I think we are, this is going to be kind of like a man. I this is going to be kind of a field goal frenzy um, exchange. I, I personally think so. I'll take under on the forty-five and a half point total. I'm with you, Giants plus three and a half. I think they win it outright. I think the Cowboys are being overrated quite a bit. I honestly could see them at the bottom of this division. And I, I think Washington's defense is being overlooked a lot. I think that's going to make them very competitive. Um, but for the purposes of this game, the Giants plus the three and a half and the under 45 and a half, I'm with you. I'm seeing a lot of field goals just back and forth. Yeah, Sunday night football, primetime. I just, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, from a production standpoint, I like Tony Pollard. I think people are not really talking about him much. Uh, and then the Giants um, can never go wrong with Saquon, obviously. From a wide receiver perspective, this is probably the the most interesting wide receiver group to watch, and that's why I am interested in this game, because I want to see how they dis- uh, distribute the passing game um, with the with this room. Uh, I think Jalen Hyatt is, a, Hyatt is a good player. Um, Wondell Robinson has been hanging around and he's more of a PPR guy. Uh, but then we still have, you know, Kader, um, uh, Isaiah Hodgkins, um, you know, Campbell, Paris Campbell, like this wide receiver room, Sterling Shepard still kicking around. Um, so I, I just don't know what to expect from this group here. And I don't know if we see an alpha, you know, I, I'm not sure an alpha emerges from this group. I could see this being, an unusable fantasy wide receiver group all year long. I could see it being what we saw from the chiefs on Thursday. It's very similar with the giants right now, where I could just see rotation, 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 and none of these guys really panning out from a fantasy perspective, but from a real life perspective, it being pretty productive. Um, I do think Waller will lead this, this whole group in receiving, but uh, he has to stay healthy to do that. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I think this is very, very comparable to, to the Thursday night game uh, with the Chiefs. And But I, I do agree with Waller. It's just a matter of, yeah, whether he'll stay healthy or not. Uh, Bills and Jets. Last game on Monday, September 11th. We've got the Jets at plus two and a half point home favorites and a 45 and a half point total. Uh, so give me the Bills minus two and a half points. Uh, but Give me the under. I know that's kind of a bold take in my opinion, but give me the under on the 45 and a half point total. My gut tells me the over, but my head tells me the under. And I think I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm not confident in it. I wouldn't place a bet on it. Um, I do like the bills minus two and a half. If I'm being real, I, I want to see them just completely wax the jets. Um, but when I started looking at player props, this is one of the more interesting games to bet on, I think, from a player props perspective. Yeah, let's get into the player props. I think um, I, I will add, just to close it out, uh, that the both teams are going to run the ball more than people think in this game. Uh, so I think we're going to see more James Cook than we ever saw last year. 
I think we're going to see a little bit of Damian Harris too. Uh, but I think the Jets are going to run the – I think you're going to see the Jets running the ball more than you would think, and everyone is going to get cooled down a little bit from the hard knocks hype with Aaron Rodgers. From a season-long perspective, do you have much or any inv- invested in either of these two running games? I do. I have um, James Cook in a few different spots because I, I really like him, especially from a PPR perspective. Um, so even though he'll probably get vultured on touchdowns here or there, uh, I think we saw over the off season and even in, in camp and in the preseason that they're much more comfortable using James cook, um, uh, on an increased level. So I think we're going to see him see a significant rise in snap share versus last year with the departure of Singletary. Um, you just might not be the preferred goal line guy. The Jets uh, running game, I have more Cook. I have no Brees Hall. Um, I'm not sure if that's correct or not, um, but I didn't go too heavily on Dalvin Cook here. So I'm into the Cooks, um, but if I had to pick one Cook, I'm going James. I don't have any of either. Actually, to be uh, completely honest, I don't have any of either team as a whole, which, you know, that wasn't exactly by design to not have any bills, but that's the way it turned out. Um, but I just, where James Cook was being drafted, I just couldn't do it. I was usually drafting other guys around there that I was more invested in. But I'll be interested to see what happens with the Bills running game this year because they've never really run the ball. But, you know, everybody seems to think they're going to start doing it this year. So it'll be interesting to see. I just like him because even if they don't, I think he makes up for it in the passing game. So. Uh, all right, so let's get into our player props. Vivid Picks, uh, Vivid Picks. If y'all haven't used it, it's a really nice platform. Uh, very comparable to Underdog, Prize Picks, all of those. Um, but I tend to find some really attractive lines on Vivid specifically. Um, so this is where I like to go. Uh, what's also nice about Vivid Picks, not to promote it too much here, but um, even if you lose on bets or if you enter some of their promos, they give you like this, like kind of like fake currency. It kind of looks like Bitcoin. I think they use like the letter B for it. Um, but you know, even when you lose on some slips that you submit, they'll give you like basically some cash back. So, um, that you can use on future, future props. So really like vivid, uh, having a lot of success, success over there. So we're going to base the segment off of that. Um, I'll start with you, Derek, because you mentioned that you might be interested in some options over with the Bills and Jets game that we were just alluding to. Um, I'm curious what you're what you're looking at here, and then I'll go into a couple of, of my options as well. Yeah, so I looked at both Vivid and DraftKings player props quite a bit. Um, and as I kind of referenced before, one of my favorite things to do is build same game parlays. And specifically, um, <laughs> with these, this Bills and Jets game, one of my favorite things to do was build the Josh Allen over one and a half touchdowns at minus 110 there, as well as Aaron Rodgers over one and a half touchdowns was plus 124, and then throw in Garrett Wilson touchdown at plus 135. And you have plus 500 on that same game parlay. Now, this is building the narrative that we see that overhit. And I do feel that both of these teams are going to throw the ball quite a bit. Um, especially Rodgers, we know that he likes to kind of show off his his ability to throw touchdown passes. And with all this talk, all the hard knocks, he was really into hard knocks and loved it. 
that he was the main focus of it. It was really just an Aaron Rodgers documentary that we watched. Um, but Garrett Wilson, I think he's going to come out firing to him and try to show that he has that chemistry with him. I don't think it translates into um, what people think Garrett Wilson is going to be end of season, you know, based on where he was drafted at. I don't really see him being a top eight receiver in fantasy, but I do think this week we see a big performance from him. So that that's my favorite on this game um, in the early going here. So I've got from you the Josh Allen over one and a half passing touchdowns and yes. Garrett Wilson over Garrett Wilson over 69 and a half receiving yards. Yes, I would do that as well. I'm feeling rough about that 69 and a half receiving yards. It's um, a lot. Yeah, but I think he can definitely get there. And I agree with you. Like he looks really good. Actually, you know what I would prefer over rather than a 69 and a half, I'd rather do the five and a half receptions. Yeah, I like that a little bit more as well. I'm on board yeah, with that. That's more attractive to me because he could be peppered with a couple, you know, five yard targets. Um, and I could see his touchdown being of the, you know, three yard variety. Yeah, I'm liking um, you referenced this earlier. Um, but I like touching the um, Washington game. Yes. Uh, you mentioned Howell. Um, but I, so, okay. So here's a little bit of a conundrum. I like the Brian Robinson prop. So when I look at Brian Robinson, he's at 16 and a half rushing yards. I think that the Sam Howell prop at 212, 212 and a half for passing yards isn't terrible either. Do you mm-hmm. think it's too much of a leap of faith to go over on both of those. That is something I heavily considered. Um, But I wouldn't want to do that myself. I would, if they had Brian Robinson touchdown on here, I would like that Um, because I definitely think he gets into the end zone. Honestly, I think he gets in twice, Um, but I would stick with Sam Howell over 212 and a half passing yards and then avoid Brian Robinson here. I think. I am uh, going to take a leap of faith because uh, I think this is how you win like a big slip is like if you just stack guys that you think are going to fully exceed expectations um, in a good matchup, you could hit an entire slip and just play like one player or two players that are not involved in this game. So mm-hmm. like I personally don't mind going over. I think the line is low enough for Howell, right? You can go over on the passing yards still get the rushing yards from Brian Robinson with a decisive victory and then pick a receiver here. And I like Jahan Dotson over 44 and a half receiving yards. Oh, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I would go under 44 and a half. Really? I don't. Yeah. I don't see it. I really don't see the love with Dotson and maybe. Really? Yeah. I I'm just not getting it. And I know you, you know, what's funny is after draft season was over, I noticed that you, I share more leagues with you than anybody else, which I didn't realize we're in like three leagues together yeah. and you took dots in <laughs> a couple times and I don't, I just don't see it. I see Terry McLaurin being the go-to guy. And then Curtis Samuel, he was really effective for them last year and I get it. It's a new quarterback. So we can't really go back to the pecking order that Wentz had there, but I don't really see Samuel disappearing. And I also, I just don't see Dotson yet. 
you know, ask me five weeks in where I feel about Jahan Dotson, but I don't see it week one. So, and you bring up a good point because Samuel is a much lower receiving line. Yes. Yeah, 24 and a half. Do you think that Samuel has had enough work with Howell to translate that into decent product? Like, could Samuel put up a three for 30 game? Absolutely. Very realistic. Yeah. I, I could see two for 30. Honestly, I could see him take see one for 30. slant route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see a slant route that the Cardinals just completely fail to cover on and he just takes it deep. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I could see Samuel doing that. And I also, I, I kind of like the under on Logan Thomas 20 and a half, but it's so low that I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd want to touch it. Yeah. I feel much worse about that one. Yeah. Okay. I just, I think, I mean, he's been injured, right? Has he's, he's faced some injuries over the course of the camp. Uh, right. I think Cole Turner is a thing. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. So I just, I don't know what to expect there. Um, I think yeah, that we're seeing yeah. like, if, if there's any time you're going to put money on Curtis Samuel, it's at the beginning of the season before he gets hurt. Watch him get hurt first play from scrimmage. Yeah, right. Uh, so, but I think okay. So, for the purposes of this, uh, the podcast here. So, I think this is a really good sign. So, what Vivid Picks does too is sometimes they'll adjust the line on your slip based off of the odds of the slip uh, in correlation. So, a lot of people will stray away when they lower the odds on your slip. So, for example, I have five picks pulled up. And normally, if you do five picks on Vivid and the odds line up, they'll give you a 20x return. Well, they lowered it to 18x, meaning that Vivid thinks there's a better chance that this five-legger hits than a normal five-legger. So I like that. Like, I'm I'm okay giving up the 2x, knowing that a, a book basically agrees with me that there's better odds that this slip actually hits. Uh, so Josh Allen over one and a half passing touchdowns, Garrett Wilson over five and a half catches, Howell two twelve and a half over, Robinson sixty and a half rushing yards, and Samuel twenty four and a half receiving yards. That gives us eighteen x. If that's I like, like that a lot. So throw down one unit on it. Twenty five bucks is one unit for me with a potential payout. Of 450 bucks. So I'm going to go ahead and fire that off right now. And I'll probably, I, I'm, I'm putting that together for the purposes of this pod for a big one. Um, for everyone out there listening, like I, I personally recommend when you're submitting slips, like no more than two leggers. And if you're going to do like a five legger or something like this, um, do it with less than a full unit. Absolutely. Um, so for every three two-leggers or four two-leggers, that's when you fire off a five-legger for a 20% 20 per, 20 fraction of the uh, entry that you paid for the two-legger. And if I were to do a five-legger, I mean, I know you kind of just said the opposite, but I would like to diversify more. And I see where you're, you're saying um, it's good to get in on the same because basically you're saying, you believe in Sam Howell, therefore a receiver has to do the damage. So that's why we went Curtis Samuel. Um, personally, I like to pick 
and and then yeah, I guess the under to, if we could go under on James Conner in that same aspect, we're reading a game as a whole. Um, but if we were to go multiple games here, because I did you have Garrett Wilson on yours? Yeah, I threw him on there uh, just because you had mentioned it earlier. Yeah, yeah, which I like. I do like. Um, but man, if I was building a favorite, I think I would go with uh, a couple different games as well here, which this will be something to look into as we, you know, go throughout the the next couple of days. But TJ Hawkinson at four and a half receptions. I like the over on that. Um, KJ Osborne's at two and a half receptions. I like the over on that. I actually kind of like the under on Jordan Addison, 40 and a half yards. I mean, there's... This is my first time dab- dabbling in uh, vivid picks, and and there's a lot of really good lines on here, as opposed to what you're going to get on the sports books. Yeah, the offering is really it's it's nice. Um, it's very strong. Yeah, there's a lot to choose from, which is not always the case with some of these apps here. Um, and if I'm going to pull from an, a couple other games too, uh, I do think that. Um, what uh, what I think is interesting is um, if I switch over to the Jags indie game, um, Christian Kirk at 50 and a half receiving yards seems a little low for me. I agree um, with that. So that was a big one. And then I also had if I switch over to this was Green Bay, Chicago. Um, I like DJ Moore over three and a half receptions. I like that a lot too. I was staring that one down. So um, those are a couple others that I had. Uh, my degenerative ass will have a lot of slips in. So the slip that we just posted is not going <laughs> to certainly be the only one. Um, but again, just from a process perspective, uh, looking at two leggers primarily. Devontae Williams is at 11 and a half receiving yards. That is really. That is a smash. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That is 11 a, and a half. That is a lock. I agree. <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's gotta be surprising. bad. Yeah. Yeah. They've got him at 11 and a half. Russell Wilson's at 227 and a half passing yards. Um, I feel like that's very low against this Raiders team that could not stop the pass last year. Um, I think uh, Devonte Adams is 75 and a half receiving yards. Jimmy G at quarterback. That's too high to me. Yeah. Um, that's God, that's way too high. I don't um, know if it's too high, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm just avoiding that. I would, I would personally go under on that one. Um, it's not like DJ Adams, though. Like they're going to pepper him with targets. I get that it's Devonte Adams, but this, you're looking at a couple different things here. You're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo with no chemistry with him. You know, they got to work that in. And I get that he's a, a stud receiver, so it kind of comes naturally. But then you also have to look at it's week one and you're playing one of the best defenses in the NFL. I just think there's a lot of aspects working against this Raiders passing game. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, but like, what's to stop Devontae Adams from getting 12 targets? Like, what if he converts on seven of them? Seven catches. I mean, we're talking about, like, right within that range. I just, I would, I'm clenching my butt cheeks a little bit considering (laughs) that one. So, probably not doing it. How how Um, about this? We talked about him earlier. Brock Purdy, you can get him with an interception. 
and vivid picks. Um, yeah. Uh, the problem is that the Steelers secondary is just average, um, but they're going to, he's going to be under pressure. Under pressure. And they still have Minka Fitzpatrick, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to specifically call Minka Fitzpatrick with the interception. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting what the on, odds are on that. Uh, I bet it's a line out there, but I, I bet it's about plus 750. Um, Another interesting line from this game, Allen Robinson, dude's still on a team, 22 and a half yards. Um, I would take the under on that. I don't, I don't even think he catches a ball. I don't like, I don't like touching it because I've heard mixed things about a Rob. I know he hasn't performed well in other teams, but it's a new team. I don't like touching a guy in his first game on a new team, like one way or the other. I'm just not, I don't know what to expect with him. I, I don't disagree with that that uh, motto, I guess, to stick away from it. I do think George Pickens' longest reception, 19 and a half, I think that's an over. Agreed. Agreed. Because, I mean, that's all he does is he's jump balls down the field, like just needs one catch for 20 yards. Um, I think that could definitely happen. Absolutely. I'm uh I'm trying to see if I can find a Minka Fitzpatrick interception line anywhere. And uh so far, no luck. The Purdy interception though is definitely out there, and I definitely agree. Like that's a, a very enticing um that that to me seems probable. Yep. Yep, that is definitely something I would put in a vivid picks. All right. So let's go ahead and move on from vivid. Uh let's talk about start six recommendations on the season so what we're going to do is as Derek had mentioned earlier we share like 25 different uh, season long leagues with each other so (laughs) on any given week we're probably playing each other Um, but uh, I do like to pull a couple tough decisions here so one tough decision that I have to make that I like to throw out there is actually in our Jonda league and I'm trying to figure out between Dalvin and James Cook. So I just talked about this earlier. Um, I like James Cook a little bit more than Dalvin Cook. Uh, so probably going with James Cook uh, if I had to choose between the two. And then from a wide receiver perspective, uh, I have to pick between – I have Josh Allen. Uh, so the question is, do I pick between Josh Allen or I'm sorry, not Josh Allen. Do I pick between Gabe Davis or Zay Flowers? So this this is a really this is a really tough one. Um, I like Zay Flowers and DFS because he's four grand over there. Um, but I I am leaning Gabe Davis. Um, I think that Gabe Davis is going to have a bounce back year. It's Zay Flowers' first game as a rookie. Uh, do I think he's going to be used? Yes, but I think that game is going to be more run focused and run heavy. So give me Gabe Davis to match up here with Josh Allen. And I'm just going to go all bills, a full bill stack, Josh Allen, James Cook and Gabe Davis. This is fascinating and it's uh, kind of messed up. You're making me go over this with you because you're playing me. So it's like, it's like, like I'm uh, helping you set your lineup against me. That's, that's fun. Um, from a strategic standpoint, you, you got to see me make the mistake of starting Kadarius Tony. So you know that you're starting with a pretty big advantage with that. So 
where I, my perspective of this is to pick the safer of the place. And I think James, James Cook would be the safer of the running back place because we know he's going to get work. There's not really any sort of worry about how much work, whereas Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall, there are some question marks there. Um, and I, I think I would agree with you on uh, Gabe Davis as well over Zay Flowers. Yeah, I'm having a much tougher time with that because I think Zay Flowers is really good, and I'm probably playing him more often than Gabe Davis throughout the year. Yeah, throughout the year. And if this wasn't week one, I think we'd have a little bit easier time, but we just haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, I got to look into that matchup more. I might, I'm still, the jury is out on that decision, but definitely James Cook over Dalvin Cook for me. Regardless of where you go, you're going to be making me sweat on Monday Night Football, so that's fun. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) I'm, I'm willing to bet on the Bills. So what about you? Any tough decisions for you this week? Uh, yes, same league against you as well. Um, I made the mistake of going with my heart and putting Kadarius Tony in to get a solid one point. Um, so that that puts me in a hole. So then at receiver, I'm left here choosing between Michael Pittman or DeAndre Hopkins. And really, I, I kind of put dubs in that consideration as well. If it wasn't for the injury. I would, I think I might actually go his direction um, over the two quote unquote elite receivers. But I think I'm going to leave this choice between DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Pittman. And based on what we discussed earlier, with we're expecting Indianapolis to be in a pretty big hole um, against the Jaguars. And I don't really think the Jaguars have an elite secondary, but I do have a ton of questions over whether Anthony Richardson can get an accurate ball to Michael Pittman. So that leaves me with a lot of concern, but not as much concern as I have over how the Titans are going to run their offense. And I don't trust them to get DeAndre Hopkins the ball right out of the gate. So I need to see it before I believe it with him. So I'm going to go Michael Pittman for that reason alone. Yeah, to me, it's Pittman or Dobbs. Just because of the fact that Watson's out for Green Bay. That's that's a tough one. I I I would probably do the same. Yeah, probably because I think I think the upside is higher with Pittman in this, and I don't like using that word. But when you're in a hole, you're kind of chasing upside, and I'm in a pretty big hole after Kadarius Tony. So I do think there is a path for Pittman with the perceived deficit of their their team. Um, I do think there's a path for him to reach. 20 plus fantasy points. He's also and just I would like have the it. better player and you're he a higher the drafted better. player. So like, why did you draft him that high? If you're not going to play him over the other guy. Basically? Exactly. Exactly. So um, I'll be going cool. Michael Pittman. All right. Well, that should be an interesting matchup. And I'm sure I'm curious how many of these that we do where we're playing against each other, because <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess only three times, but maybe up to five. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Last segment here, I do want to move into um, DFS plays. So just going to rattle these off because a lot of the reasoning behind some of these plays that I'm throwing out here is due to what we've already talked about before. Um, but I like guys like J.K. Dobbins at 6500 bucks. He's supposed to be low-owned. Um, so, okay, let me, before I do this, 
let me just go into my process a little bit or how I like to play DFS and um, how I like to structure my lineups. This will be brief, but I'm a big fan of single game entries, uh, higher stakes, so smaller fields. Uh, I'm typically looking at um, 800 or less entries and no one can submit more than one entry. What this does is it levels the playing field. So you have all these sharks out there like Chipotle and um, Awesome-O and all these guys. Uh, if we do a single entry submission, no one has a chance to win with more than one lineup. Um, so it negates that whole advantage for the sharks. Um in addition to this, you'll have true ownership numbers across the board. Uh, and you can still find, especially in the NFL, very large tournaments and contests where you can win a boatload of money off of these single entry submissions. Um, the way I like to structure my lineups is you have to have a little bit of chalk and a little bit of um, uh, low level owned guys, a combination of both. So I like to go heavy on the inexpensive chalk and I like to get different with the expensive players. And typically the rest of the field, they normally do the opposite. Everyone goes after the big names and the same big names who are in the best matchups and forego the inexpensive cheap guys or they just play both of them. And so the, the mistake that you make is if you play like the inexpensive free squares, like the running back that's filling in for the starter who got hurt and is in a, you know, mispriced or something, but then they'll pair it up with like, you know, also the guy with the biggest rushing prop on the slate uh, who just ran for 200 yards um, against the best matchup, um, but also spend an arm and a leg on that player and not be able to pay up for other quality players and other spots in their lineup. So, and if that guy underperforms, which it's very likely that he does because the expectations are set super high, um, that's where your lineup falls apart. So I like to find the expensive guys who are projected with lower ownership, single digits, and the inexpensive guys who are going to be the, the chalk on the slate. With that being said, this slate doesn't really have a whole lot of that because it's week one. Um, so we have to take a little bit more of a balanced perspective when building out our lineups here. I like Sam Howell. Sam Howell is priced at 4,900 bucks as a starting quarterback. So I'll take that. Um, we have other people who are going to be spending up on quarterbacks, uh, upwards of eight grand. Uh, do I think Sam Howell puts up 30 fantasy points? No. Um, but I think he could put up 20. And at 4900 bucks, that's a great payoff. I like J.K. Dobbins at 6500 bucks. I like Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones, from a pass-catching perspective, helps. And I also think they can run the ball against the Spares defense, so 6300 bucks on him. I'll take that. Again, another lower-owned player that's going to be overlooked a bit. Joe Mixon, I think, will be overlooked a bit at 6800 bucks, And... A lot of people are attracted to the young rookies. We're going to see a lot of people playing all these young rookies. Um, but give me a seasoned veteran in, in my opinion, and I think Derek's opinion as well, the best game of the week, Keenan Allen at 7300 bucks 
against the Miami Dolphins. So um, I, I really like Keenan Allen. I think that's a great way to differentiate uh, amongst the the field um, in what is a going to be a heavily owned game in DFS across the board. I like those three running backs, and I like playing three running backs this week as well. Um, lastly, if I'm looking at a defense, uh, I do like I, – I think this is also a contrarian approach. A lot of people pair running backs with defenses. Uh, I'll pair my defense with a quarterback because I think that Howell is priced low enough where if you pair him up with uh, his defense, um, you know, uh, that can still pay off. So I'll pair him up with the commanders at 2800 bucks as well. And now you've got a nice lineup where you just have to fill in a couple more spots and win thousands of dollars. So that is about it. That's all I have here for uh, the podcast. Any closing remarks, Derek? Anything else that you wanted to throw out there? Bold takes? Anything that you want to put on tape here before the slate starts tomorrow? I uh, I love your pick of Keenan Allen. Um, especially from a DFS perspective, he's being overlooked quite a bit. My question for you is how, how much were you considering Calvin Ridley in there? I'm not because I think he's going to be high owned. Okay. And from a tournament perspective, it's not, you don't necessarily, yeah, you'd rather chase it with a lower owned Keenan Allen. who you think could score as much, if not more than Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I think Keenan Allen is going to get a higher target share than Ridley. Yeah. In a, in a game that is much is expected to be much more back and forth. Like Ridley scares me because, you know, what happens if he doesn't score and the Jags go up big quickly? Um, he he could be kind of not forced to put up production all game. We're like, you're looking at Keenan Allen, and we could potentially have like an overtime shootout that hits like a sixty point total. It's a great perspective to have on that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to load up on guys who you feel like the fate of the game is already determined and it could become a clock management situation. Yeah, and I think like Waddle is going to be lower owned than Hill. So like if you really wanted to stack that game, I like the idea of like running it back with Waddle on the other side. And he's a little bit cheaper too. But I think Hill Hill would be fine as well. Like it's this I just I want to play a lot of guys in this game. And some of them will be chalk and some of them won't. Um, the most important thing is if you're going to play chalk, you have to know that the, you're going to get the points back. And if you know, if you feel really confident that the points are going to be there, um, then you shouldn't have to, you, you know, don't worry about playing the chalk. I'm curious to see how many of these tournaments you, uh, you take down the title with this year, because I don't know anybody with more success in DFS tournaments than you. So it'll, uh, it'll be fun to watch this year. And, uh, yeah. My, my, I guess my boldish take, boldish is what I say, because I don't know how bold it is, but I do think our QB1 for fantasy this week is Trevor Lawrence. I think that's very possible. I think it's very possible, and I wouldn't mind going that direction as well. Um, yeah, last year was very successful, so hoping to run it back this year. Had a lot of success in the offseason with like the XFL, the USFL, um, and like over the last month and a half, been crushing it in NASCAR, believe it or not. Um, Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So I never thought I'd be good at NASCAR, but that apparently is like I'm really good at NASCAR. You destroy uh, I baseball. Know anything about it. And I did well with baseball too. I had a nice hit in baseball back in 
This is like early July or something like that. So nice fifteen thousand dollar night one night. So yeah, that that'd be a nice, <laughs> be a nice payout for sure. Speaking give, of, give uh, some of it back. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, that's kind of the game. Are you invested in this drafters uh, giant tournament that they've had? I don't even know what it's called. The drafters, I want to say Millie Millie Maker, but that's not what it is. Yes, drafters is a good platform. Um, I think that's another kind of under the radar platform for sure. Um, so you some drafters best balls. It'll be interesting like- to keep track of those throughout the year because, yeah, that is – I mean, I just kept getting emails from them about the overlay, and it is pretty astonishing how many people are going to end up cashing in that. Yeah, I, I honestly haven't even been paying attention much to the overlay, but I'm looking at my lineups right now, and, like, in the one game, two of my four lineups are already cashing. So, I yeah, I must be part of a pretty big amount of overlay, I'm guessing. That's what it sounds like. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the overlay, um, the final day to fill, they were only 79% full. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And they were trying to send out a bunch of promotions to get more and more people in. So um, I think what they wanted for their cap was uh, like a hundred and I want to say, what was it, like 111,000, somewhere around there is where they want the max entries was. And they only got to 85 and a half. Yeah, it, it, but it, uh, in the same breath, this is all for them, like year one. This is all about like marketing, too. So, like, as much as they're probably going to lose money on it, it's also like we're talking about them right now, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. So, it's, I think it's part for their strategy a little bit. Um, it's a win win because it's a win for them because everybody's going to be invested in that. Everybody's going to be talking about them. Everybody's going to want to get in on drafters now. Um, but it's a win for the consumer, which is a rarity these days because you just got a really good chance at taking down some tournament money. Yeah. Yeah. No drafters. It's a good app too. Like it, it was easy to draft off of. And I like it because it's also a longer, the, the best ball format was a, um, an expanded format where it was a few more rounds than underdog. So you could really kind of get in the weeds and pick some guys that you like that are kind of deep sleepers and that kind of stuff. So, And that's where Cedric Tillman came in. There you go. There you go. (laughs) All right. We put it all on tape, y'all. Appreciate y'all listening in. We'll be back next week. Hoping to put this up every single week of the season. Uh, Until next time, thanks for joining us here, Derek. And appreciate y'all listening. Enjoy and good luck this weekend on all of your bets and DFS plays. Peace out.